And we are back with another Black with No Cream podcast, new episode every single Sunday. I'm your host, Ben Haggerty, a.k.a. Ben Real vs. World. Today is episode 19 with my dude Chad Fellers. Chad owns and operates the production company Wasted Potential based out of Los Angeles, California. The company services all production and touring needs such as stage design, live lighting, video wall content, tour management, artist development, merch, etc, etc, etc. They do fucking everything. Chad has worked and toured with artists such as Bryson Tiller, Logic, Party Next Door, Ray Schrimmer, Gold Link, G-Eazy, Khalid, BB Rexa, Super Duper Kyle, Riff Raff, Halsey, SZA, Mike Studd, Kid Inc., Oliver Francis, Wale, a fucking shit ton of artists. He's worked with everybody. This dude definitely gets a big seat to the behind the scenes of what goes on when you're an artist and he's worked on all levels with musicians and has basically a fuck ton of incredible insight to offer. So shout out to Chad for swinging by to record this one. I highly suggest you tune in or use a bitch. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, you're probably wondering what does Black Window Cream stand for? Black Window Cream is a private content creator group fueled by caffeine, or at least I take my coffee Black Window Cream, but you can drink or not drink whatever caffeine you fuck with and still be a part of our community. We are a private group on Facebook open to creators of all kinds, aka if you make videos, if you're a photographer, if you do marketing, management, editing, dancing, etc, 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 all creators are welcome. Our private group has been growing rapidly. We have a shit ton of members working together by sharing content, asking for feedback, passing tips and tricks along to one another with the goal of pushing each other to become the best motherfucking content creators on earth. And you can join our group if you want to by going to bwnc.com slash join. We would love to fucking have you. Please join. If you're interested in supporting Black Window Cream, go to bwnc.com slash merch. We have hats, shirts, stickers, pins, all that shit's available in the store. I appreciate anyone who supports the merch. And if you don't have funds, I fucking get it, man. There's a way you can support. Just go to iTunes, leave me a five-star fucking review because that shit helps me. And after that, go to YouTube and subscribe to the channel. Black Window Cream on YouTube exists. There's videos for every single episode, so if you're into the visual element, go check it out on YouTube. Subscribe, comment, do all the bullshit that I need you to do so that we look cool. All right, that's it. Enjoy the work week. Keep creating. Make sure to tune in every single Sunday for a new Black Window Cream episode. And without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Chad in the most epic podcast intro ever created right motherfucking now. Attention. If you stop this podcast recording at any time, you will die. I don't want to die. Do you want to live? You have 24 hours to share this podcast with five people or you will die. I'm kidding. You won't die. You're just weak shit for not sharing. And the winner of the best motherfucking podcast goes to... Goes to... Black with no cream. What do you think? It's so fucking dumb and so fucking Ben Haggerty. I knew you would say that. Cool. We are fucking back. Live in action in uh, Hollywood, California. I'm here with my man Chad Fellers. The owner of Wasted Potential. Yes, sir. Wasted Potential. Break it down for me. So uh, we are um, pretty much a collective of uh, young creatives. We like to pretty much call ourselves just a creative company. Um, uh, We do a lot of different type of design work, work with a lot of different musicians or even companies like Red Bull or... um, but uh, we do everything from, from the goal we have is to pretty much have a manager or an artist. Obviously, you know, it's, it's, there's not a, enough hours in the day. It's, nope. hard, it's hard to, uh, you know, talk to 15 different guys, if, especially in the music industry. You have all these different uh, branches. So we, we have heads of each department and 
essentially uh, the manager musician will let us know what they need. Um, we'll copy in that person from our perspective department yep. and uh, pretty much go from there, whether it's lighting or merch or tour manager, sound guys, yeah. you know, getting in music videos and uh, all sorts of things. So Chad's basically created like an all-in-one solution for any production need you we're, could ever have. We're trying, yeah. you're doing music videos <laughs> and all this shit too. Not only just touring yeah. aspect, but music videos and merch. You're doing merchandise and yep. working with companies like that. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because uh, the back story of this is I met Chad Fuck, when would that have been? 2000 Probably 10, six, uh, probably six or six to eight years ago, yeah. Crazy. We were young guns yeah, in the West. super young guns. We were, he was living in, you were born and raised in Chicago, right? Uh, yeah, outside Illinois. of Chicago area, yeah. Our mascot was actually the Freeport Pretzels. The Freeport Pretzels. Yeah, they put us on ESPN and stuff every now and then for crazy mascots, but. Really? Um, yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty crazy, but uh yeah, I grew up out there, moved to Chicago uh, after uh, college in the area. It just didn't work. It wasn't for me. And moved to Chicago, kind of. Uh, went to the school called Columbia. Um, a bunch of awesome people have actually went to Columbia, like Jeremiah, Mick Schultz, um, who's a friend of mine. A bu- uh, just a ton of people ended up there. Mad people, huh? Yeah, I, I my used buddy to Mike Carson. Yeah, I was going to say, Mike Carson, yeah, all the Ill Roots yeah. dudes. Uh, Mike Wax, did he go there too? Uh, I think so. There was just a ton of people in that area, man. Right. And we were all growing up in a really awesome time to be in Chicago. Like, Chance was was always around, and all the house parties and everything. And, like, it was just a really cool uh, time to be in Chicago. Drill music was kind of becoming a thing with Chief Keefe and yeah, yeah, you know, Rocky Fresh and all these guys were, were blown up out of Chicago. So it was awesome. Um, but uh, went to school for a little while, uh, started booking concerts, and that's how we met. Yeah, I was um, going to say, that shit goes back. Yeah, it goes back. Yeah, we were booking shows in uh, the Midwest college towns, you know, University of Iowa, Wisconsin, you know, U of I and ISU. Those are our main four. And then uh, Chicago, obviously. We just rotate around and, and have fun. Not really making that much money, but having a blast. And, and learning. Just learning. Just trying to figure out what, what we wanted to do. And then... Um, How'd you fall into that, though? How did you fall into booking shows that, like, you know, around college? Like- yeah. Uh, so we pretty much... The good old-fashioned lie. Uh, we, Mike Studd... Um, his his manager uh, hit us up, or well, he was on Facebook like, "Hey, we're trying to do a show in Chicago or whatever. Uh, anyone in anyone in town, you know, want to help out? Let us know." So we just messaged and said, "Oh yeah, we do shows all the time." You know, this is a complete bullshit. Complete bullshit yeah. lie. We were we were eighteen, nineteen year old kids in college. Like, yeah, we'll help out, and then not thinking anything of it. Um, uh, and uh, he hit back and was like, awesome, you have a venue? We're like, yeah, yeah, for sure. So we, you know, went out, called every venue. We, we got to got to link with this uh, venue called Reggie's. It's actually a pretty historic venue yeah, in yeah. Chicago. Reggie's always cracking. Um, uh, they let us uh, rent it out. We just we ch- chucked together some of our savings money, me and my buddy Jake Reeder, who uh, I was booking shows with, Um and uh, it, it ended up, we did it on a, a day show because there was a show at night, but, you know, Mike's team needed to come in that day. So we're like, all right, we'll do a matinee show, which uh, never even happens. But Yeah, uh, especially a, when you're in college. Yeah, and shit. yeah. Somehow we um, brought all of our uh, 
all of our friends there and it and it went really well we it, you know we got close to like selling it out and then we became good friends with Mike's team and and his manager was booking uh other concerts at the time um and uh we just started working with him going to these colleges throwing you know flyers under dorms and doing all the guerrilla promoting for him cuz he he was new york based and you know we lived around all these areas so he eventually moved away um and we kind of just, you know, I, I had all these connections in my email account at like 18, 19. I was like, hey, you know, let's run with it. So yeah. we started booking shows for guys like, uh, at the time, these artists weren't really anything. But now they've, you know, blossomed in uh, like Logic, Chance the Rapper, you know, Hobson, all these right. all these dope artists uh, in hip hop world. Um, they were relatively small. So we'd book them for almost no money and uh go hustle use our youth as kind of a tool to go into these colleges and like go to house parties give away tickets like whoever so can ch chug his beer gets you know <laughs> two tickets to the show like we had a lot of fun with it and those yeah. were pretty amazing times but um uh eventually got really busy with that and i was not you know not able to make classes and stuff like that so dropped out and you know just like any other parent would my mom you know Bumped. and my parents all freaked out they're like hey what are you doing you're riding around in these vans or in the midwest like they didn't get the big picture yeah so uh no there was no company name at the time it was just us doing it so eventually um you know our parents were like hey you're wasting your potential and we didn't have a name so we just said hey that's so you know, fucking Let's call hard. it that. Yeah. That's so hard. <laughs> it's, it worked out. That shit yeah. is, I fucking love stories like this because it's really crazy to put it into comparison of like how far you've come now. And we'll yeah, get, yeah. We're you gonna, can only, you know, I think Steve Jobs is talking about it. Basically, like you can't really connect the dots going forward. But once you look back, like you can really see these moments and all these dots occur that are like, whoa, that's a pivotal moment. I love that. In my career, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is pretty cool, you know, but going forward, like you just have no idea. No idea. You're just going with the flow and you yeah. know, life works itself out. So one it's of pretty the, tight. One of the hardest challenges, one of my homies, uh, Marcus Frisky, he was on the podcast before he works for EA Games. He's like head of social Big fan influence. of EA. Shout yeah. out to EA. Right. A lot of, lot of EA played in my day. Hell yeah. yeah. Not <laughs> any EA play in my day unless I played it and I had no idea and then I had to like make fucking shit for them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> acting like I knew what the fuck was happening. And But anyway, one challenge that he proposed to me one time was... Um, we kept talking about how, because we were on YouTube making YouTube sketches way before, you know what I mean, at the very beginning, when, yeah. when if we were to do it now, it would have been massive, and he's like, yo, the one thing you have to do is, you. it's not about where, like, to go back five years ago, if we would have known now what we knew then, mm -hmm. or if we would have known now, then whatever, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. To do that and think back, like, fuck the knowledge we have, instead, place it in the idea of, like, what are we going to need to be doing so that we are there five years from now? Like, mm -hmm. what do we need yeah, to do to sure. place that shit? And that's one of the hardest things to do. So you're right. It like, is hard. You, it's a lot of shooting in the dark and hoping things work out. And mm -hmm. I think that that's part of the risk factor that most creators oh, for find. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, like, you got to grind. You know, I'm sure people have said it on this podcast many times. Mm -hmm. It's all about the grind, you know. Yeah. You got to pay your dues. At those times when I was touring in vans in the Midwest, I was making you know i was losing money i was using my savings to literally go do this just because you have a hunch of being like hey you know this might have some there might be some potential in this uh 
you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously fun. You know, the music industry is a fun, it's a fun place to work. Yeah. Um, but around, it's definitely work. You're at the shows, the energy's there. Yeah, you're the, like sh- in the energy's mix. there. You know, we're doing, we're hanging backstage with these artists. I, I just played baseball in high school and like, I would listen to, you know, Mike Stud in that time. You know, there was that time where, uh, he was he was popping Sammy Adams. Yeah. All those guys were Asher Roth. All those guys were popping real hard, like right around uh, when I was going to college. And uh, it's crazy. You go from listening to him playing baseball to hanging out with him and touring with him. Right. And uh, it was great. Um, and those guys are still the homies. But uh, you know, you get in there and like you just really just learn and kind of you know decided the. You know, concerts uh, eventually weren't going to be my thing because, to me, that concert promotions is kind of a backwards deal. You know, you would work really hard um, on shows and and lose money because, it, you know, it would just be a flop. Sometimes yeah, right. people wouldn't show up. And those were the shows where you had to bust your ass, you know, out handing flyers to everyone you know and then there were shows that were easy you know like a chance show in chicago that you would just put on sale would sell itself out and you'd make money by literally doing nothing yeah and i didn't really like that aspect of it i felt you know when i'd work hard i'd be like i'm working hard to not to try and lose as little money as possible right 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 and and so and it's also a very cutthroat business you got companies like live nation and and aeg that just once an artist starts popping Boom, they're gone. Crack you got to find the next little right. guy to. So uh, I knew that the ceiling for concert promotions, especially in Chicago, were very. The ceiling was low, so tried to get in with you know start working with actual artists and started working with this uh, this cat Somo. Um, uh, went booked his little run in the Midwest, and then I went out on it. I was only a nineteen year old guy, but but I had a little experience with concerts that he had never done a show before. Right. So he needed someone to kind of show him, you know, when to come, how to do a load in, how to do a sound check. Isn't and, that crazy? And you know how to settle a show. Because yeah. that dude blew up through YouTube, right? Like he did YouTube yeah, covers. Yeah, and he got was his doing fame. YouTube covers, and he just blew up, and and then he and then I went out with him, and. Uh, he released a record called Ride um, mm-hmm. that, you know, now it's multi-platinum. But, uh, Crazy. but um, you know, I was there before that, before that all happened. And, and uh, I came in at the, you know, it was all about the right time. Yeah. Right place, right time. Um, came in and uh, helped him out. We became friends. And then I ended up becoming his tour manager and helping out him a lot with, you know, things like music videos or graphic design. We, I remember we literally designed the uh, ride cover in a Buffalo Wild Wings in like, <laughs> in like Portland or Damn, something really? like that. Yeah, we're just messing around and we're like, oh, this is tight. He signed to a label and we got to, ex- you know, I got to ex- experience with him the first time being with an artist that is like starting to blow up, you know. And we're going and doing these radio shows with Ariana Grande and Pitbull and all these huge artists at the time. Um, and he signed to Republic Records, which is arguably the biggest label. Yeah. Um, so it was a really, really insane time to go from being a kid in college, dropping out, and then going on the road with someone like that within the same year. Right. And uh, it was pretty powerful. And then, you know, you use that, you use those relationships and you, you're meeting people constantly every day. Yeah. Um, and uh, ultimately just networking. And then, and then, you know, you find your craft in some other worlds like, uh, you know, design or, you know, even graphic design or stage design or lighting or video walls. You just kind of start to 
start to dial it myself into a lot of those and then well it's crazy how how like by default you had to do that like oh we're at buffalo wild wings and i need a song and I'm yeah, like, I have yeah, a computer yeah and yeah we're just eating you... together like yeah. hey we gotta do a cover for the song ride the label's bugging us so we get on you know photoshop get some silk stuff going and it's like and, make it and it ended sense. out yeah what's crazy is uh for for the audience listening like from my experience, I know by now, if you listen to this podcast often, like they know I come from music and playing yeah, shows yeah. and shit. So oh, we yeah. had the hip hop group schooled and we were playing shows yep. all the time. And so that's where we meet, right? And mm -hmm. you, I had gotten on, at the time, They it was Time Flies. And Time Flies did, um, they were coming through on their tour and they did like three yep. shows. Yep, one yep. in Illinois, one in Iowa City. Those one were in, some and, amazing times, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So were you were you guys a part of yeah, yeah, we did all those. three of those? Yep. Okay, because I remember yep. um, Sam from uh first fleet first fleet he booked all that shit yeah too yeah we co-proed those together those ones. so okay yeah we did uh we did those and yeah those it was so funny because uh at the time we had a asher roth show at u of i and time flies in iowa city on the same day and i remember being like was it back to it was the next day because i remember they asked me to play that too and i was like we just played oh us. yeah I yeah, yeah I, I think it was the next show. day because this is funny. because we're kid we're college yeah. kids i'm like Asher Rasta, like he's the best. I yeah. want to go. I want to go to that one, but we ended up having to go to Iowa City. I didn't really wasn't familiar with Time Flies, but I'm so glad I went there because it was crazy. It was it was probably one of the more fun shows we did. Um, I want to break this down. So just so you understand, I didn't know who Time Flies was until yeah. these shows came, and I remember hearing about it because there's a there's a venue called the Blue Moose in Iowa City. Yeah. It holds. 500 maybe? Cat. Yeah, 600 people. Five, 600 people. They squeeze 650 in. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the time, we're like, we don't know who they are. We're hip-hop. They're like this EDM hip-hop sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it works for a lot of females love this, that, that group. And they're close friends still to this day. Um, but at the time, we had no idea who they were. And we go and play that shit. And they end up becoming really like close homies with us right away. They were yeah. really cool. And so it was like our first experience of like, really cracking a show like understanding how to come out how to sway it how to sway an audience and then how it's to an art. Co convince these girls these yeah. hundreds of girls because <clears throat> i think it was like 800 in iowa in des moines then it was like 650 over sold out in iowa city and like maybe a little bit bigger in illinois yeah so these are like our bigger crowds that we ever played for sure for. and that shit was a dream and then i remember meeting you in iowa city um because you guys like co-collabed on it i had no idea that that was even possible back then i was like yeah oh, yeah so either who we're do just i talk going to? with the flow yeah i'm like what the fuck happens and then uh uh, and I remember there was like a shit ton of openers book too. And we were like support. So it was like, there's all these openers and then us, then time flies. And I remember the Iowa city show just being over packed with like artists. And by the time we got up there, we're like, no one really cares. So we tried <laughs> to make it as short and sweet as possible. Dog. It was so steamy, like the footage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah. footage. It's a hot watching. room. You couldn't see anything. It was like girls falling on stage. Time flies <sighs> came out, killed that shit. It was like ridiculous. But that was like meeting you for the first time. Yeah, and, and understanding like what you did, and we've just stayed in touch since then. And to see how far we both came. Yeah, man, it's awesome. That's yeah. what it's all about. I love it. Like I love just seeing the come up for all the people in our, and there's so many Midwest people that move out here and mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. You got Cal yep. and all those guys. Yep. Like it's, it's, it's really cool to see all of us, you know, and social media makes it easy to keep up with each other and yeah. see what they're doing. And, and now ever, it's all kind of becoming full circle. Like, um, you know, I'm sure when Cal goes on tour, we'll work, we'll do production and, and you'll, you know, something. do something too. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's crazy to see how all of us were doing our thing. Absolutely. We all end up out here and eventually all work together. I like, 
on your website, I was on there earlier, and, and you also have this dope-ass book that you brought along. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the book, Waste Potential. It's got his, your girl made you this book? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. It's fucking nuts. It like shows like the, like. It shows the come up, the story. Literally man. the it's come all up. A giant story. Some of these photos are so old. Like you guys did a show with Aaron Carter. Yeah, that was a hit. I remember that Hit. shit. Everyone went nuts. And Sold out. Like, oh, my God, Aaron People Carter. People at the time were like, Aaron Carter. And then we're, you know, yeah. we're like, trust me, it's going to sell out. This is right. That generation was going through college that was the, the Aaron Carter, time. you yeah. know. Like, he was the man Crazy. when we were kids. So. My, my homie cussed his hair now. Well, out here yeah <laughs> like, what the fuck that's it's a like, gig yeah. it's fucking crazy i'm just like okay but what, what's dope is i read on your site uh it said is your kind of definition of what wasted potential is i know you said it sort of earlier but the name wasted potential derives from our team's attempt to be successful in today's society many people believe that we are wasting our potential by pursuing our dreams and expanding our careers on creativity and the arts rather than education and degrees god damn we have decided to build off of the negativity by naming our company Waste of Potential. We are here to set an example for others by pursuing or to pursue their passion and to live the life that they love. Show them that you're Waste of Potential and prove them wrong. So it's like, Heck yeah. fucking, I love that shit. Yeah, man. That's what it's all about. And it's all happened organically. Like, we just didn't have a name. And, and uh, me and Jake were in our, in our dorm room just, you know, thinking of stuff and we're drawing out and then the logo came about and it's pretty cool and i and love the logo yeah logo's super hard so who is who's all involved right now um or i guess starting out who was involved it's you and your homie jake who's jake yeah so, I know, jake, I know so jake's name. my homie uh now he he kind of branched and, and just does his own uh graphic design thing in the midwest um but we worked together on on the concert promotion stuff you know he would he would make a lot of custom flyers and we'd go to these colleges and you know, just give away tickets, you know, and have a blast. Yeah. But uh, he, he still lives in Chicago. I'm trying to get him to move out here. But, <laughs> um, you know, hopefully hopefully down the road, we want to start working with a lot of artists and just from the ground up and just design their album art and, and you know, help them on the tour management side and just right. ma management overall. So I think when that, when that becomes a thing, uh, Jake will definitely get back involved uh, more with the company. But... Uh, right now, it's it's myself. Um, I own Waste of Potential, and then we have uh, uh, heads of each kind of pers you know each department. Um, what are all the departments right now that you got to kind of? Uh, yeah. So right now we got. Um, I know you broke it down for me. Yeah, all I got right. it right here. There's there's there's, there's like mad departments. There's probably about ten departments. Yeah. So we got like tour management uh, and production management. That's going to be you know. Um, that's a big department for us. We have stage design, live lighting, live sound. We've got live video walls and making actual content for the walls that these artists need. Um, clothing and merchandise, which uh, I think is going to end up being a pretty big, a pretty big one. Um, music videos, artwork, like I was saying, um, and uh, photography. Um, just doing you know photo shoots with these artists as well, and just overall, you know. Just managing, help managing an artist's career. Like literally everything. Letting their vision come to life and, you know, and just making cool shit. Fucking. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, on, the, on the clothing side of it, like what has been your experience since the jump and then where, where are your goals and your hopes right now for? for yeah, for sure. So the clothing used to be, one thing that's been going for us for sure as a company has just been 
the logo is aesthetically, it's just interesting. You yeah. know, it's, a, it's just a squiggle face thing that's just created with a Sharpie. But um, uh, we used to just, we used to just make these t-shirts ourselves in, in dorm rooms and uh, bring them to concerts. And we'd give a couple to these artists. Um, I remember, I think it was either Chance or King Louie uh, wore it on stage to one of our shows and then you know all these college kids at our school started to just buy them you know we'd sell them for like 20 bucks or something yeah make them literally like in a dorm room with uh we bought like a 500 dollar you know self self uh print Pressing type thing, of thing whatever. yeah it was, it was funny but um so you know we just people really just like the logo i i wear stuff all the time on tour and i can't say how many times someone will just say hey that's a you know that's a dope hoodie. Where where'd you get it from? I'm like, oh yeah, it's you know, it's our company. Here's you know here's the link and and uh, it's becoming you know it's becoming a thing. But but we want to tie it in with all with all these artists. You know like my you know my homie um, Wookie runs a company called J Fields in Oregon. I think you know they're gonna create really dope clothing. We don't want to we don't want to be a huge manufacturing company. We want to create little pieces of maybe a hundred. To seventy-five to a hundred custom handmade pieces, like you know, zippers on the yeah. sides, all the really cool fabrics. Like, create dope shit, sell them. You know, custom wasted potential. Maybe even collaborating with one of our artists, right. and uh, and yeah, just just have really cool, just cool clothing. And I think you know, we'll tie it all in, work with artists on that. Um, you were I, think, that, I think it'll be cool. You said your homie JJ, that's his name, right? Uh, Jay Fields is Jay the Fields. company name, yeah. Oh, okay, out of, gotcha. Out of Oregon. They're a really cool company. They build, they made this shirt and a bunch of other, you know, they, I think he just, he just gets the fabric and makes them himself and, you know, sews zippers in and yeah, yeah. they're really dope. That's really intense. Really, really dope. But that's also sick because it's like as you start managing more and more artists and, and working with these artists, it's like you're, you're building up that all-in solution even more by being able to like, yeah. oh, yo, we got merch too. This shit would look Yeah, in the end of the fun. day, you just want the artist and manager. They don't want to spend all day talking to a merch guy, all day talking to a sound guy, all day talking to a tour manager and a lighting guy. Yeah. You want to be able to use one company, um, which it, it's so hard to build that up, but we've done a good job at, you know, finding the right guys in place to handle each department. Sure. And, uh, you know, that manager artist wants to talk to one guy, say, hey, man, you know, we're going on tour. We need a dope tour manager, a merch guy, and we need, you know, some live lighting or right, video right. wall. It's like, all right, awesome. Let me, I'll be right back. And I go, we work on it, and then we come back to him, and it's all taken care of. And it's all about just developing a product that the artist and manager, now they can go spend their time doing things that are more... Yeah you know, productive for them. They don't want to be on the phone trying to find some sound guy, you know. Right. Be like, hey, we need a sound guy. We trust you guys. All right, boom, we'll mm -hmm. make it work. So that's that's the goal is just, just allowing them to do what they want to do, which is, you know, frees up more of their time and can make more moves. No, it makes too much sense. And I think it's you crack the code very well because the amount of people that you fucking have worked with is ridiculous. Yeah, it's blossomed 
it's blossomed pretty hard in the last year, year or so, yeah. Let's loop back to you You talked about working with, you know, you have Somo who starts cracking. He's a YouTuber and now he's making his own music, and which is funny because I remember him also coming to Iowa. Yeah, same venue, same. You yeah. were there, right? Yep. So I was there, my homie Paul Weathens, shout out to Paul. Yeah. He was shooting some shit for them back then. It was like his first night on tour with yeah, them. Yeah, that Iowa City was actually the first ever show yeah. he did. Yes, ever because like he first had, real show. I came there by myself just to meet up with Paul because I hadn't met Paul in real life yet. Because he he had like come to one of our shows with Hoodie Allen. Like I opened up for Hoodie yeah. Allen in Minneapolis <laughs> or something, and then he came. I don't know. So we became friends. But he was there, cool. and I remember seeing Somo's first show and just watching it like blown away because he was so amateur. Because it was the first one. yeah first ever show. And yeah. I'm watching this shit like damn, yo, like how come we can't make this shit? Yeah. Like, our shows are cracking. We know how to move a crowd, do all this stuff, and he's just figuring it out, like yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Had no just idea. Throw someone up on stage. And yeah. It was a really bad day, too. They shut up after doors because they had some issues traveling. Oh, in yeah, their they car. couldn't sound check or something. Yeah, no sound check. Yeah, it was, it was insane. Nightmare. So, yeah. But I remember watching that and then seeing more videos and shit of him, like growing up really quickly and becoming like a, you know, rock star. Yeah, yeah, it's a really talented dude. It's, it's, you know you learn the blue moose is is kind of like you know you're coming up there right when your career starts popping mm-hmm. it's a, i love that venue yeah man. me it's too one of legendary venue fucking best the you work with him that turns into how many tours did you end up doing yeah today? we did a lot together probably upwards now of 10 or Damn. so yeah, yeah yeah so all inner all u.s based or? uh yeah he hasn't done an international tour yet really? um no but uh, yeah, we started, you know, we worked together a lot and then um, uh, I, I still tour manage him, tour direct him. You know, I don't go on the road with him just because there's so much other things going on with the company. You have to kind of, you know, be back. It's, you probably know it's hard as hell yeah, to get yeah. stuff done on the road. No, for sure. It's um, a fucking nightmare. Uh, but yeah, you know, we, we started doing stuff with him, networked, met all these people, eventually you know, he needed lighting, but he, we, we couldn't afford to bring out a lighting director. So started working with uh, my buddy Lee and we created this automated system. So uh, I pretty much just set up the lights. I knew nothing about it. I just set them up, connect them all <laughs> and hope that they would, you know, turn on and yeah. all run. And uh, it was really fun. And uh, eventually I, it, it excited me and I it became passionate about that field. So started to learn, uh, just learn lighting, learn how to program, design, all, all sorts of stuff. And eventually started doing that for Somo and using my relationships that I networked on these huge radio runs, you know, doing arena shows with yeah, yeah. like all these huge superstars and just use, utilize those relationships and like, hey, I do lighting now as well or, you know, tour management or whatever you guys need, let me know. And then it just kind of started, started all just coming up. You know, we got guys like Kalen and Miles and Mm -hmm. Jake Miller, you know, who's a good friend and just more and more artists started popping up. And then before I knew it, um, I ended up out with Logic, which was, that was, that was a big moment for me um, because it got me into, uh, I started doing a lot of video wall stuff and also it's just, you know, touring with another artist who's just starting to explode right um this was probably two or three years ago um and uh he's an amazing dude one of the more amazing guys i've met and not even in the industry just in general right great human being yeah well yeah. before we get to that 
because that that sparks from your video wall and lighting expertise, right? Is that kind of how that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That just new, you know. I I was teaching. It's just like a lot of other software. You just have to spend time with it, teach yourself, you know, because there's no. The main thing in the music industry is there's no school for it. You have to learn. You know, there's schools for it, but you're not going to learn hands on. You got to go to shows. You got to mess up. You got to learn from your mistakes and, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, you ultimately have to teach yourself a lot of things in this industry. And and that's kind of kind of right when I was coming into that, you know, I was out, I was already on a lot of tours. I started to gain some knowledge and some fields and right. landed that one. And then um, I was with him for, yeah, like two years, a year or two straight. That's crazy. Touring, he was touring hardcore. Would you say that, um, you know, that working with Somo and, and starting to fuck with the lights and you're just piecing it together. Do you think the thing that hooked you into, cause I mean, you could have just stayed tour managing, right? For sure. You, yeah, yeah, I could have stayed tour managing, but it, it was one of those things like it, it, the doing it interests me. Um, and, uh, also someone had to do it because we're on tour, you know, it's, it's not an arena tour. We're riding around with one bus, mm-hmm. you know, with, with, uh, maybe 10, eight, eight to 10 dudes who all, who all have their own roles. Um, so I was like, hey, you know, I'll try it out. And went out, it worked out successfully. And then, you know, you just kind of slowly teach yourself more and more and more. And Do you think that comes from, like, the the interest? Obviously, you know, someone had to do it, and yeah, you, yeah. you didn't have to. But would you say it was a reaction of seeing people see your shit? Like, the way you f- made the stage glow, you know For what sure, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that yeah. like? Do you remember, like, a first-time experiencing something uh, where you're like, Yeah, oh, the first fuck. time I actually got to, like, program and, like, uh, because initially with some I'm just setting these lights up you know someone else did the programming okay, I'm just gotcha. they're making but it's still you get a really good feeling out of setting yeah. something up and then seeing it you know Work. people go people enjoy it all yeah. live yeah that was definitely it I've always like you know because when we were doing just concert promotions you know I would make the concert flyers me and Jake would work on them together and and I'd make uh you know a, a lot of the website stuff I've always been a fan of just creating and then seeing you know and then loving the result of seeing people observe it and see it but not necessarily know that you did it unless you want them to yeah yeah, which i love that's what i love about concerts probably the most with with the design standpoint is uh you know you're you're at front of house running the show you've got you know maybe sometimes twenty thousand people watching your show and watching all the things you've done, yeah. but uh, they don't know you did it. Right. So you can chill in the in the background. If you want someone to know you did it, you, you can just sure. say, hey, this is... My shit. Know, yeah, this is my shit. It's cool, right? Or no. Yeah. The one, but, uh, I love that shit too because you're like so... I, yeah. The first, what was your biggest concert you did? Like the first time you did your... I guess you always um, keep trumping your shit, but what was like the first big, big show? The first big show, I think we did a show in... Um, uh, it was me, Somo. Um, we did a show right when Ride was on popping on the radio. We did a Dallas. He's from Dallas, so we did a Dallas. Uh, I think at the American Airlines Center. Uh, somehow this these the radio station put us second to last. We had about a ten minute set. Uh, it was a Jingle Ball show. They put us after Pitbull and I, or after Ariana Grande and before Pitbull. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> how? It how was just a huge not- show. It was like when the most people are there. Uh, it was insane. Holy um, shit. Yeah, that was a ner- nerve-wracking show for everyone just because it's like, you know, that's the first time playing in front of a sold-out arena. 
so that was that was pretty that was pretty amazing um yeah and then from there now it, it just becomes you know it, you kind of miss those feelings because you know once you start to do that more and more you, just, you kind of become numb to it yeah um but yeah that one was a special one for what, sure what would you say what would be like a big piece of advice you could give to someone that's on the come up right now doing exactly what you did and gets into that seat right before you know you just see pitbull leave the stage yeah. and you're like it's our time, like what, what, what advice would you give to someone yeah. to like keep their, yeah, cool? you gotta, you know, cool, calm and collected. That's kind of like my go-to, you know, thing. It, Cause in the music industry, there's so many components, especially live production or tour management. There's so many components, um, that there's just going to be things that go wrong, you yeah. know, and you just always, I are outside of this. People always tell me how chill I am and calm and like, you know, I've never been in like a crazy hothead. And I think that kind of is, is a pro of, of, you know, running this company because sure. it's just, there's going to be things that go wrong. And if mm. you show your cards, you know, the artists kind of, people are going to give out the same, they're going to give out the same energy that you're giving out. So if you're relaxed and calm and, you know, they're going to usually be like, all right, everything's straight. But if yeah. you start showing signs of freaking out, then, it's you know, the artist or your client is usually going to start tripping a little bit. But yeah, just lay calm. Know that you're there for a reason, and you know everything's gonna work itself out. There's there's gonna be bad shows. There's gonna be bad gigs, but in the end of the day, you know you have to sit back and look at the big picture and know what you're doing. Is, yeah, you're there for a reason. Right, and right, you're right. Doing your thing. Hmm. That's really interesting. So you do you get into Logic and hop on the road with him right away doing all of his lighting and stage building or what? Yeah, so we had a lighting guy that was already in place there um, and I was just helping out with the video walls, making the content and running it all live and and uh, we had a small crew of maybe, you know, a dozen dudes or so on a, on a tour bus so we're just roaming around um, having amazing times and just putting on these shows. This is when uh, I think the incredible, incredible True Story uh, album was coming out and his whole tour just sold out within, you know, like I think just a few days. So uh, we did, I we did so many shows that year. I, I think we did over a hundred shows that year. Um, yeah, it was insane. Fuck. How what, how what size venues? Uh, he was headlining his own shows around a thousand to two thousand, and nice. then we ended up going out with G Easy on the uh, Endless Summer Run, um, which was amphitheater. So that was stepping it up significantly from two thousand to 10,000 right yeah so that was a that was a really big run um do you remember for because that was probably like his bigger that's probably one of the bigger tours he's been on or had he been uh on yeah it was bigger one of the bigger ones i'm sure he's been on um he re, since then he's done uh a tour you know of doing amphitheaters by himself yeah, so yeah, no, yeah. you know no co-headline but yeah that was that was pretty that was pretty amazing we got to build this huge rig run it all, you know, at these, at these levels of, you know, 10,000 people or more. Sometimes I think we played it, we played at Barclays on that tour in, in New York and Crazy. the forum in LA. So, you know, those are big rooms. Yeah. They're it's, super it's, huge. It, it was a lot of fun. Did, uh, do you recall any moments like for him personally to be going through, you know, that adjustment to having to make sure he kills these shows. Yeah. Do you remember any times where he's like putting the pressure to make sure the team is a one that that show's going to be like, you feel like you owe him your life almost in the sense of like, yeah. I'm going to come through. You have to trust me. What, that. Yeah. What I love, like I love working with him because he's, he's like, 
he's just a nice guy. And when you when you're working with artists that are just genuinely good people, you want to do good for them. Yeah. Because I, in my opinion, he deserves the best. So right, right, right. like I want him to have the best show possible. So yeah, I'm gonna go out there and make sure do everything I can in my field to make sure it's everything's good because you know everyone. A show, you know, one guy can have a bad show in one field, but if everyone else picks him up, you know, yeah. it could be, you know, generally a pretty good show. So for sure, that's what I love about it. It's just it's everyone. It's a team, you know, team effort. Everyone has their own role. Mm-hmm. Everyone just, just kill your own role, and the show will be great. Right, right. But yeah, like him, him just being a good person. He didn't have to say anything. Like him just being a good dude, being a good friend. Like makes you want to go out and kill it for him. Right. What, do you, what would sure. you say is the difference? Like, have you had any experiences working with artists that don't contribute in that aspect of like making the team feel like a team and you kind of have to, you know, you're, it's more like, yeah, you're always, you're always going to have that, you know, when you, when you start to scale and you're working with, you know, a dozen artists then two dozen and then three dozen artists, yeah. you know, you're getting, you're getting up there. You're just going to meet so many different artists and people. There's always going to be artists that are a little bit hands off, like, you know, that come in to sound check, do their thing, and then they leave, and then they come right back for the show. You might not even ever really even get to hang out with them or talk to them, or yeah. they might not have any criticism or, you know, constructive feedback or anything. Um, and that's fine. Uh, I love when artists, you know, are constructive, but not too constructive. They know that they hired you for a reason. They yeah. trust your vision. They'll let you do your thing. But but they still want to work with you and collaborate and make it as good as possible. Right, so right, right. I love those environments. But yeah, there's always going to be situations where certain artists are a little hands off, and you have to respect that. It's probably just them. That's just that's just the way they roll. So yeah. you know, and it's some happen. some might even be in the element where like they never they just assume that this is all supposed to be taken care of. And yeah, they for don't sure. Even understand that definitely. They, I mean, I think I've seen a lot of artists could have probably worked with their team more and got a better show out of it but they just probably have no idea that yeah, that yeah. That sometimes they just don't even know ignorance is bliss like you just you just show up to sound check all right i don't maybe it's probably a bad thing if i go talk to my you know video or lighting guy or sound right. guy but you know we we always welcome it um but uh yeah it's gonna happen that type of stuff happens for mm. sure all right so were you with logic at uh, Lollapalooza like two years ago uh no that would have been right before we started working together because he did lala in august and i think we mm-hmm. started working together in september october i got you i saw him that 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 was like my first time seeing him perform ever or yeah that show was that yeah, show was crazy it was wild he was that was a big stage so you go from working with logic you know you do that for you're still working with him to this day or what's the um deal? yeah hopefully his next tour we'll be able to do something together um he uh it probably isn't going to tour for a little while. He's been going crazy for the last couple of years. So I think he's, I don't know. I don't know of any, any tours going yeah, yeah. on anytime soon. But so. he, um, he, were you with him for the, what the fuck was that big ass where he just, his last single that he played, was that MTV music video awards? Did you have uh, anything? Oh, he did. He did the Grammys and was the, the Grammys? Uh, VMAs. No, I wasn't involved with any of that on those ones. How's that work? They, the VMAs and Grammys and stuff like that. Uh, Till Bryson Tiller performed on that too. We've been out with him the last year, but uh, um, they usually have their. They own usually, team. yeah, usually on those and a lot of late night things. Like you can't, if you're on the production side of of it, uh, usually you can't touch anything. Mm. It's it's it's. You can give input and say, "Hey, we want it to look like this," but but usually uh, they have a guy that's contracted through the company to take care of it. Yeah, yeah. Once it gets TV involvement, usually they're pretty 
they're pretty strict about not letting you uh, hmm. put your hands on too many things just for risk purposes, I guess. Super interesting. The You go from Logic straight into Bryson? Is that what happened? Um, yeah, yeah, I think it went right into that. Uh, Bryson Tiller was going out with the weekend um, uh, about almost exactly a year ago. Yep. And uh, I just got that call and started working on that with uh, Mike Carson. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, he's a cra- crazy talented stage designer, visual guy. So came in, did the lighting for that, and uh, he was doing the visuals. And uh, it was a great time, and, and I got really close to that team. Uh, Bryson's a really great dude. Um, him and Logic are friends, and they're kind of like the same guys. You know, they're really chill, laid back, just yeah, friendly. Yeah, themselves type shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're big family guys. But um, uh, So we went out on that, and then uh, we were at the weekend for a while, and then, and then uh, I I had already been doing Ray Schremert stuff, so went out with them in the summertime and then back with Bryson in the late summer for his headlining run, so it all just kind of strung together, but uh, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a crazy year on the road. Do you know Mike then? Mike, the, he did Ray Schremert's all the yeah, time? Yeah, Mike yeah, Brooks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Brooks is a man. He, yep. was, he did all Q shit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're homies now. Yeah, Small yeah. world, huh? Yep. Fucking crazy. We were talking about that before the show started, before we started recording, but like how small this industry is and i love what you said of just being like a good person and this shit will go a long way because yeah you, you... it's so key man even when you know there's going to be times where you have disagreements mm-hmm. or you know you think something should go one way and someone else thinks it should go another but you have to both realize that you're in a very small industry you don't want to you know there's i i just try and you know i'm just working with the artists trying to create their vision come to life the best possible way and uh you know, don't piss too many people off because you never know what someone's going to be at in a year yeah. or five years or even in a few months. So you, I mean, let's go through, I got the list pulled up here, but you got Logic, Bryson, you did Somo, you did, just did Party Next Door recently. Um, yeah. How long was that run? Um, there's, they're actually out right now. They're in Amsterdam. There's probably a show literally going on right now <laughs> because they're, you know, uh, eight or nine hours ahead of yeah. us. So Interesting. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's awesome, man. You know, just w- through one artist, you link with another manager or through social media or whatever. And uh, yeah, I've been working with a lot of really good people. Um, you and- but So at this point, your company is growing so much. You ha- you said you have like 10 dudes underneath you right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, altogether, Wasted Potential, we've got about uh, probably a dozen or so dudes that, that work all the time on uh on all the gigs we do and and like uh they're all amazing guys we're all just young hungry guys that just are passionate about whatever field we're working in yeah and um yeah so so as of right now a lot of what i've been doing is going out to the going out to the tour there might be an artist or two that i that i actually tour with physically but a lot of artists that i've been working with i'll uh I'll work directly with them and uh, go out to rehearsals, make sure everything's great, um, and then uh, we'll have our either our tour manager or or LD or video guy or whoever or sound guy or whoever it may be, go out on tour with that actual artist, make sh- execute it, make sure it goes really well, right. kind of become part of that you know family with the artist, and then um, uh, you know and I'll pop back to LA start working on, you know, another thing. That's mm-hmm. just the way that you can scale um, because, uh, you know, obviously it, it, 
you wouldn't be able you can only be in one place at a time no so shit. can't can't tour with all these guys so how how uh, helpful was it for you when you started making that adjustment and start start finding dudes that you trust oh for sure it's you know incredibly I mean? difficult incredibly difficult it's probably the hardest thing to do is delegate and find good people to pretty much handle things that you trust yeah um so you know that's that's probably the number one thing that a lot of companies face in every in every field of work you know is like building your team because it's a team element you can't do everything yourself you know i could work with one or two artists myself but to scale and do the things we want to do and develop a product that these artists and managers uh want yeah um requires a you know a decent little team of Mm -hmm. guys to to work together and and we're all friends you know a lot of us have toured together already and then you know we've all just kind of you know our heads of our little our our fields and yeah things are really going well and it allows you to like expand like you said and you leave your print on almost everything that you're touching right like you you don't even have to be there and you're being there you know and right now something that you create is happening across the fucking country or the world yeah it's crazy you don't even think about that yeah that's super wild that's fucking dope as shit yeah the the one thing that i think is seems like it would be so stressful and tell me if i'm wrong but how, how do you wear multiple hats in a sense of like you have five artists contacting you at once and you have Mm -hmm. to be this is what i think is hard for a lot of creators because say you have say you're a creator and you want to be doing everything you're you're used to wearing multiple hats at one time and you've done it i've done it like i don't want to let someone shoot this because i am going to shoot it the best but you start freeing that up but now you're in a position where you have to be you know you mentally have to be a party next door right now you mentally Mm -hmm. have to be Potentially Bryson Tiller, whoever it is. Yeah, yeah, for how, sure. How do you handle all of that? Yeah, that that is definitely difficult. Um, I'm uh, I'm always been trying. You know, I've always had a very like organized mind state. I guess I could say, and like, uh, you know, I'll I'll I'm I'm pretty good at, at keying myself into certain projects, like uh, timing myself out. You know, I use tons of notes and everything like that, and just just knowing. Uh, all right, I'm gonna wake up today, and by the end of t- by the end of today, I need to get this done for Bryson or this done for Party Next Door or Ray Schreimer or you know whoever it may be. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it, it's it's kind of something that I don't know if you can really teach it. It's just kind of like a a trait that you have, you know, because there's definitely people out there that are just that aren't accustomed to working on all you know project management just managing multiple things and there's there's tons of great software out there like trello and all these awesome awesome software these days you know i can't imagine how people could do this type of stuff 10 years ago um yeah just working with that type of stuff being really organized and just being on the ball with your emails and your phone calls and everything like that you know because in the end of the day like when I wake up, it doesn't feel like I'm working. You right. know, you're just doing something that you, you're doing and that you just need to do. It's, it, you just wake up. I'm just like, all right, time to, time to get started. You know, I got to yeah. program this show or hop on this call with this manager or whoever. Um, and it's awesome. You know, I, and the thing that you sign up for with this is there's no off time. You know, I might be on vacation in Iceland or something, but be working on a rendering for Khalid or you know some just some random artists and like um sometimes it's not ideal you know you you're you want to just go out and just just chill right um but it's what you sign up for 
in this industry is it's a it's a 24 hour a job day. I actually got a call this morning at at four something from my guy on party next door. Uh, fortunately, I keep my phone on loud, and I woke up and answered a question. Just a simple little you know 10 minute call, but it helped him out a lot. And uh, that's the type of stuff you sign up for. You know, you sign up to wake up at 4 a.m. and answer a technical call about right. something or you know, that type of, that type of stuff. You're still in a relationship? What's up? Are you still in a relationship right now? Yeah. You? So how do you balance? Cause I mean, it's a struggle. I, me and my girl, it's like, Oh, for sure. It's a struggle. 24 yeah, hours a day. It's yeah. like not fucking easy for a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, it takes like a certain set of, yeah. you know, but how do you balance that shit? Uh, it definitely takes a certain sense of agreement on both ends. You know, she, she knows what she's signing up for. Um, and she also runs a business herself. Um, uh, in the racing industry, her the family owns industry. a her family owns a racing corporation. They put on races all over, all over the country. Like pretty cars much. and shit. Yeah, like uh, essentially think of a Formula One car, a stepping stone to that. Like a like almost, it looks like a go kart, but it goes like 130 miles an hour. God damn, it's pretty it's pretty insane. It's it's really cool. That's fucking dope. Yeah, so they put on races all over the place, and like you know she she's gone all the time too. So it's kind of a mutual thing. We yeah. both we both are popping here and there, but you know, um, we're always communicating and, you know, and the fact that we both travel gets, allows us to, you know, me to be in, be in Europe or Paris or somewhere and be like, Hey, just come out here. Like I already have all the expenses covered. Just, just come out and hang out and we'll right. go, we'll go do stuff. So, um, yeah, it's tough for sure. But you know, it, it, it's worth it in the end of the day, you get to travel across the world and, get paid get paid to do it so can't be mad at that yeah what's uh your home office setup like like i know you were talking earlier you invest in some gear and you eventually have like your own setup like describe what your setup is at home and how you use it so right now it's a cool uh right now i can fit everything at home not really but you know you probably know how that is it's like you have a lot of gear it's kind of in the living room or it's kind of wherever but you know it i have a really nice uh, set up to the point where I can design tours and, you know, have, have artists come through and look at everything. And, um, uh, it works really well. I'd say, you know, it's not ideal. Obviously you would love to, we'll probably look into getting an office space in the next two or three years, but you want to hold out as long as possible because, um, if you can get really awesome constructive work done at home, then you're in really good shape because it's hard for a lot of people. Absolutely. Distractions are there, you know? 100%. Yeah. The Xbox is next to you. Game of goddamn thrones. You want to go, yeah, watch some Netflix or something, but you got to know that's, that's kind of where the self-discipline comes in. You got to know, Hey, by the end of tonight, I got to get X done before I go to bed. So like, yeah, I might play a, play a game of like PUBG or something, but then like, I'll, you know, go and 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 program a show afterwards and and just know that it has to get done before yeah, I go to bed 100% and yeah this is totally sidebar in, in a sense but what the fuck is PUBG because <laughs> I one of my homies that I met at it's she, crazy, she runs like bro. undefeated Chrissy Poon that's like her name she she plays games like that and that's what she's like oh PUBG PUBG I'm like yeah, what the fuck yeah. is PUBG it's like uh think of um Hunger Games but uh Video game version, you essentially get dropped off on an island with nothing. And kill and there's people? stuff laying around, and you have to kill each other. And there's Sweet. only one person that wins. Can you play it on an Xbox? Because EA gave me one. I had never played it. Uh, That's a lie. I played NBA on Yeah, you once. can play it on the Xbox now. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. 
Try it, dude. It's Lauren's but, gonna but, hate but this. beware. It's, yeah. Sorry, Lauren. Oh, it's very fuck. addicting. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> anyway, back to it. I want to talk about your most memorable experience on tour and your favorite question. space, wherever you've been, whether it's yeah. a venue or it's a city. Where, like, talk about those right now. Um, so as far as some memorable moments on tour, there's just there's so many good ones, especially at the beginning with Somo. I remember um, it's been... You know, most of it's hectic, and that's kind of as a tour manager, that's where you get you get paid for those moments of just like, holy shit, what the hell? Yeah. So there was a time in um, we had a show. I think we were coming from Chicago to uh, to Louisville, Kentucky, and it was a team of us in a in a big van, essentially a a Sprinter, Sprinter. van or something, a fifteen passenger van. Um, and uh, Somo's brother was with us. He's selling merch, just out there hustling. And, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we all stopped somewhere to eat. I think it was like a Taco Bell, right? And we're like, all right, shout out to T-Bell. (laughs) But we're, we're we're all eating there and we're like, hey, you know, we gotta, we gotta get going right after this. Hey, John, do you mind filling up, uh, filling up this van with gas, um, so that when we leave, we can just keep going. So I give him the keys. He goes out, goes down the street, fills it up comes back we're all uh we head out we're traveling and i start hearing the the van make some weird noises i'm like oh shit pull over and then it just hit me i'm like hey what type of gas did you put in here oh shit diesel yeah he put diesel in a regular fueled uh amateur regular fueled vehicle and it's just uh just moments like that like the van is completely ruined yeah so um so I call up a, a tow truck guy. We're about 300 miles from Louisville. We have load-in and maybe, you know, however, literally, yeah. we were going to get there right at load-in time. So um, get this guy. He comes all the way out on the side of the highway, uh, just this big burly dude. Um, and uh, I'm just, I, I end up talking to him, and I pretty much bribe him to, you're not supposed to tow uh, a vehicle over... Uh, you know, 50 miles, I think. Right. Um, especially a huge sprinter van. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll send you a picture after this. You can put it on here of please. what it, of what it looked Fucking like. It's insane. But uh, basically, this I bribe him a few thousand dollars to drive us to from from this place, Random Highway, all the way to Louisville, uh, Kentucky, and <laughs> on a sprinter. So me, Somo, and we had to bring the essentials because you know flatbed trucks it's just the the it's a driver's seat a middle seat and, and the then the passenger right. that's it so could you put the homies in the back do you allow that no nah, you can't oh, okay. do that I was gonna say, that's yeah like no because it's like wobbly yeah, it's crazy they could yeah die. um so it's just uh it's just us the and show me somo <laughs> and our, our my buddy cody who's his keyboard player get in there and with this huge dude you know tow truck drivers yeah, they're usually for, massive for sure. guys um, so we're literally squeezed like this for 300 miles oh and uh, paid this dude. He rolled up. Um, he rolled up to the venue. It was already like it was already like 7 p.m. Doors were supposed to be open. Fans are out we there. We get there. The fans, you know, this was a huge show. I think it was like 2,500 people oh, shit. are outside. <laughs> and they see us pull up. And meanwhile, he was tweeting like, hey, guys, like we're Oops. coming on a tow truck. So we get there and all 2,500 people are just going insane and like cheering. It was pretty insane. That and then he so rolled us right up to the side of the venue in this tow truck. We jump out, set up, set up crazy fast. The show goes off without a hitch. And like, wow. 
at that time, you know, I'm just a 19 year old kid, like what the hell just happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> but you figured it out. Yeah, figured it out. That's all. It's problem and problem solving 101 is is definitely uh, the tour manager game. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a lot of lot of stories like that. You know, we had someone break into our tour bus one time. Um, I think that was also a solo solo tour, and uh, you know, stuff like that is just you know. It's stuff's gonna happen when you're when you're traveling across the world and you people know that you have shit money and you have expensive things coming in, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that sucked. Just going on the bus after the it was the last show tour. Everyone was so hype, and you go you go onto the bus and all of your stuff's just everywhere. The tour bus? Yeah. Oh, they broke, into the, broke bus? into the bus during our show. Yeah, yeah. it was crazy. Stole. Uh, Stole all the merch money, I think a couple laptops, all, t- all types of stuff. But, um, you know, you, you, it's just something you just... Roll with it's it. It's upsetting, but you got to roll with it. Um, but we've done a lot of cool stuff as well. Like I have a... Uh, just through the music industry, I got to meet uh, my buddy Eric, who uh, runs... Um, a few things over at NASA, so oh, I got shit. to bring. Yeah, like, you've been wearing mad NASA shirts, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> big fuck? NASA fan. Dope. Um, but uh, Eric uh, allows me to come in with uh, any artist I'm on tour with, and if I'm in Houston, and mm. we'll get a private tour of the NASA headquarters. Oh, that's sick! Hang out with astronauts and like you know get to see the rovers and mess with them and and uh, go in like life size replicas of the ISS, like wow. the National Space Station. And it's pretty cool. Stuff like that. You know, you also have the pros. But, yeah, yeah. You know, there's it, there's pros and cons that happen while you're traveling on the road. That's really dope. Yeah, it was really cool. We also did uh, this thing with Bryson in Africa. We, we went out to Africa with uh, Bryson Tiller and Travis Scott. Crazy time. But uh, we got to... Uh, we got to... The people that brought us there basically gave us uh, four-wheelers, and we got to drive them through... Uh, these little towns and and we got to get out and uh, we had you know things like it's it really puts it all in a perspective when you're in Africa and you meet these kids and you get on Snapchat and they've never seen the filters before where you have bu- you know yeah. bunny ears and puppy dog ears coming on and these kids are going crazy looking at it and our uh, photographer had a Polaroid camera and uh, these kids have never even seen a Polaroid before. That's so crazy. you take one and the kid sees it and, you know, you have a hundred kids run up to you. It's pretty insane. You know, the, the stuff like that makes you come back and be like, hey, you know, you hear your friend complaining about the internet not working. You're like, hey, man, like, could always we're good. Be worse. Yeah, we it could always it could be, be worse. Yeah, for sure. Damn. We're all really blessed. So That's amazing. Um, yeah, just stuff like that. My favorite place I've been to is probably, um, I really like, Iceland was cool. They don't do shows there. We just went there, you know, for fun. Um, With who? Uh, it was uh, me and my girl went there after tour. Oh, where? Uh, because we're over there. And it's mad cheap. Well, uh, I guess you were already there, but it's it's cheap to travel in Europe. Yeah. But Iceland as itself is a uh, top three most expensive place in the world. No, I mean to get there. I remember it being like relatively yeah, yeah, cheap yeah. to it's, fly. It's it's not that bad yeah. to fly there. But once you get there, it's it's pretty expensive. It's expensive as hell. Yeah, we were there. That was we we stopped there. That was like the last show we did in on Q's tour was Iceland. And oh, you guys did a show in Iceland. Yeah, nice. Um, Probably Reykjavik. Yep. Yep. We that's, played there. That's pretty much the only city there. I was so stoked for, for the Northern Lights and all that shit, and we got there, and it was raining. Yeah, we the got to see. Time. We got to see those. Lucky. It's, it's insane. God damn. Yeah. It. yeah. Um, other places in Europe that are really cool. Uh, Amsterdam's obviously just a crazy cool spot. Um, uh, Australia's cool, but South Africa's probably right up there too. It's yeah, just I bet. you know, 
it puts it, it teaches you a lot like the wealth distribution there is so bad like mm. you're either incredibly rich like the the rich places there make places you know in america look just cheap like they're so nice and then you can go a mile down the road and you, you're people living out of closets and huts the size of you know literally a closet Fuck crazy. um yeah, so, but that was a really cool place. Just seeing all the people there was, was amazing, too. Was, but were you, when you said you guys were out riding around, is this like you, Bryson, and your team? How big was the team that you yeah, were Yeah, it was, uh, uh, we had a hire. In places like Africa, you get a hire, you know. The people who bring you there literally have armed guards with you. So we had, like, a guy in the front with, a, with an AK and a guy in the back with an AK, and they're driving us around this town's. Um, but yeah, I think it was about, about 10 of us. Yeah. So like, uh, the artist and, you know, just the uh, immediate crew. It was really fun. That's amazing. Damn. That's fucking a trip. That's really crazy. It's cool, man. Um, Fuck, there's so many things about tour that I love to hear about. Yeah. I know, I'm sure, because I always ask, I let Black Widow Korean people ask questions too, and I'm sure we'll, um, they've asked some similar things, but I, I, I want to go into, uh, hold on, I'm pulling this up right now. The, when you get into building a, I guess, because you talked about earlier design and shit, right? You mm-hmm. got like video walls and things like that. When you're designing that, how much of that content are you pulling from, I don't know, stock footage and shit, and how much of it do you guys actually shoot? Um, Pending artists. And yeah, it de- depends on the artist's budget. Uh, if the artist doesn't have a hard budget, we'll usually uh, do what you got to do, whether it's buy content from you know someone or a site or, or something, yeah, something yeah. and alter it to the artist's liking. Or, uh, or yeah, ultimately love to shoot as much as, as, much as possible. So... Um, if the budget is there, you know, you can even bring the artist through and shoot on green screens or, you know, go shoot, go shoot, you know, luckily we're in LA, there's so much awesome scenery around here. You can go to Malibu, shoot the beach, mm-hmm. shoot the palm trees, whatever, whatever the artist is wanting for the videos. And luckily we work with a, a ton of uh, lighting and know how to alter that to our liking so we can, you know, shoot shoot light on certain certain objects and you know make it look cool and then and then bring that into uh into the video wall side of things so yeah i would say it all just depends on the budget you know yeah, certain sure. artists have you know a thousand dollars they're like hey can you just do something real fast um like uh the other day when we did um literally came off the flight uh with party next door back from dublin rehearsals got off the plane and uh, me and my buddy Adrian were making content for Jimmy Kimmel on the cab ride to Jimmy Kimmel uh, because Fuck. it's just, you know, that's just how it was. It was a crazy last minute thing, but Cheat Codes um, uh, hit us up and they're like, hey, you know, uh, we, we, we're doing, we're doing uh, Kimmel in a couple of days. Can we make some content and some lighting and yeah. make it look good? And, and yeah, it all worked out great, but got, I think I got there. 30 minutes or so before filming. God damn. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was stressful, but you know, calm and collected. Yeah. You get there. I'm like, Hey guys, don't worry. I've done this before. We're going to be fine. And it looked great. And he turned to Adrian like, dude, what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, what the fuck do we We're do? like rendering it yeah. off last minute. Wow. But yeah, it, it looked good. So it was cool. So would you say that you've built up, like, it, does that require you to have like hard drives full of content to, to like pull from? Yeah, case? there's there's a lot of, yeah, sometimes artists are going to be like, hey, we don't have enough to make our own content, but 
uh, you know, can you give us something with this vibe or with, you know, this vibe and be like, Hey, yeah, we'll pull our content, uh, throw it in and try and alter it to your song, you know, put your logo in there or add, add in some clips of you guys um, from music videos or whatever. And, you know, and, and, and then, then it ends up coming to life. Try and alter it as much as you can for that artist. Absolutely. So it's not just, you know, some blatant stock clip, but, um, yeah, it, it, a lot of times that's what'll end up happening, especially on the last minute gigs. But for for full fledged touring, usually there's a budget in place. Like, hey, we have this this budget to shoot content, to to customly make it, you mm-hmm. know, and eight and After Effects and stuff like that. And that's when it gets really fun. For what's, sure. What's been one of the bigger budgets that you've played with? You don't even have to say the artist, but like. Does it become a scary amount of money that you make? You're nervous almost to uh, come uh, through. Yeah, as far as like the the but like the, the budget for yeah like it was, um yeah I mean you can budget uh what's perspective I guess yeah right? perspective you know like if you're if you're running a smaller tour like a house of blues type tour maybe if you have video walls maybe you have a budget sometimes the budget can be from three to ten grand. Um, uh, but once you get to bigger levels of doing, you know, amphitheaters or arenas, you can have a you can have a content budget of over twenty grand. Mm-hmm. You know, I've even I've even seen budgets of you know fifty grand or more uh, if it's a long world tour type of deal. Right. So when it gets to that level, yeah, you're messing with a lot of money. So for sure. So uh, you got to make sure that the artist is is happy with it because and you'll be showing them, you know, throughout the creation process, you send them videos or send the manager, you know, a little a little loop of it or something and and yeah. uh make sure they're they're messing with it otherwise, you know, you don't want to get to a rehearsal a but week before tour and be like what the hell is this yeah. is this what i spent my money on god damn yeah even though you might think it's dope right. sometimes the artist has a different vision so yeah man and then sometimes it. people need to just see the shit yeah and, and on a huge arena stage sometimes mm-hmm. it looks really cool on your laptop but you tr- you put it on a video wall a huge you know 100 foot video wall or something you're like eh, i don't know man this doesn't yeah. look as good right right, right. Yeah. super interesting the uh, Black and No Cream dudes, I, I posted just this morning that you were going to be here, so I tried to get a couple questions for you. From yeah, yeah. Um, but let's start out here. You don't have to take forever to answer these. You can, at your own pace, whatever you think is cool. But um, Noah Yeager, he says, wow. Because I just told him about, like, what you do. <laughs> wow. It must be hard to pick. Uh, it must be hard to pick with so many good acts to choose from, but which would you say was your favorite visually? The picture above a Bryson Tiller, I, I use the one with the him up like the big square wall. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said the picture of that and other photos from the tour have always looked really cool to me. Also, you seem to have a hand in everything at your company. Which aspect is most inspiring to you? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, yeah, working with Mike Carson on the Bryson Tiller stuff was is so fun. He's a great dude. We're both just really chill, chill guys, like, um, creating that was really fun, um, uh, that one looked insane, um, he did all the visuals and stuff, and we programmed all the lighting for that one, um, uh, the Party Next Door tour that we just did looks really, really tight, I'm really happy with how that came out, and so are they, um, but yeah, there's just been so many tours, I've always loved working with Logic, too, but that Bryson tour we just did in the U.S., um, playing at arenas and stuff was, mm-hmm. was really, that was a really great looking tour, really clean show and the band crushes it too. So I'd probably say that was one of my favorite ones aesthetically thus far. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Do you know Rolex then? 
Yeah, Rolex is tight. Yeah, she's dope. Huh? Yep. I met her Great photographer. a while back, and it was like she just did Bryson's first tour, and she was shooting it, and she shot some video, and the label wanted him to have like a tour video. Yeah, yeah. So I started editing some of that. Now they're like practically family. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah for sure. She was like, it's crazy. Like, I just did a random photo shoot with them. I didn't yeah. even know what I was doing, and now I'm like this person, and I'm like, that's sick. I, I got to get her on this shit. I got to reach out to her. I don't even know if she remembers who I was. But uh, she had like cool. all this footage and like didn't know what to do with the edit, so I was like, Came up with something, but the label, he was like fighting them. He's like, I just don't really want videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, so he's, like he's super yeah. particular. He's, yeah. Also, right. another fun fact, because I talk about this this in my house all the time, uh, at my homie Craig's house, Bryson used to like stay there sometimes. Before I moved to LA, this is where I lived, like a mad artist and shit. He used to like be there, I guess. I think there was an Asher Roth video shoot that we were doing um, at the house. And damn, when was that? But he, he must have been there and, like, was just chilling in a room and the whole video shoot's happening. He's huh. like, eh. <laughs> like, chilling. I don't know. That was the connection. That's funny. Anyway, there's uh, the answer to that. Oh, yeah. What, what's most inspiring to you for the aspect of your... Uh, like, which, which branch? Uh, I yeah. personally really like the stage design, uh, lighting, lasers type of deal. Um, uh, and then also getting into, like, the music video direction stuff that we're going to do this year. Um, yeah, those 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 fields all inspire me. Like I'm I'm not the best with sound and stuff like that. So, you know, I'll leave a lot of that type of stuff and I'm not the most passionate about tour management. So a lot of that stuff, you know, I'll have my guys and I'll you gotta rely on them to just crush it. Yeah. Because I might not be involved in a certain project sure. as much. Um so yeah, but but those but the the more of live production uh, branches are definitely the ones that I that I enjoy the most. I would say. Right, that's dope. Um, Taylor Marie, she says, "How do you pick uh, what video wall theme, lighting, etc. for a show, and what's the worst technical difficulty that has happened during a show, <laughs> if any?" Um, yeah. So we uh, aesthetically, you know, you just listen to the music a lot, and and I've I've noticed myself kind of becoming. I I've always been proud of being like really hip to like what is you know what is what is popping like you know musically um because part of this business is also being kind of like an A&R knowing who's who's on the come up yeah, and stuff like that but you know the more projects you work on you just listen to that artist so much in the span of a couple weeks you know like I've been listening to Party Next Door and my buddy Quinn uh 92 and some on all these tours we have going on right now for the past few weeks because it's what you know you're trying to get inspiration from the music so I've noticed myself kind of not knowing some of these artists that are at least knowing of the artists but not listening to the music of artists like sure, sure. that are starting to pop off which is really funny but uh, usually you'll just listen to the listen to the music a lot um, realize like have a vibe for a certain thing. Bring it, bring it to the artist. Talk, talk with them or the manager, and uh, you know, just create a whole set list. Sometimes you want to tell a story of the set. Have different moods. Have different color schemes for each part of the set. Um, How much of that is the? Would you say like in the music video world, you're constantly creating like pitch decks and and trying to get treatments picked up, right? So if an artist comes to you and they kind of give you a general idea of like, hey, we want a lot of red, and what can this look like? Are you putting together um, like 3D images or like showing them like what this shit could look like yeah. on, as, as far a as a lot like of the times we'll, we'll do uh, 3D renderings um, and that's just combining tons of different software probably five or six different software programs 
Um, just to pitch this, this is before just to pitch. It matters on the on the client. You know, if it's a smaller budget client, you're usually not going to take you know ten hours to create a whole rendering and a right. whole you know process. Um, but if it's a bigger tour, you know, amphitheaters or arenas, usually you're going to want to do a pretty good. Uh, have they they're going to want to know what it's going to look like before it comes to life sure especially if they don't necessarily know you um or have worked with you that much in the right, past right, right. so on that type of stuff we'll definitely uh create a whole thing and yeah sometimes they'll have an idea of like hey we don't want to use yellow at all and we don't you know we want this part of the set to be this color but for the rest of it you know um we trust whatever you think mm. uh sometimes it's the whole thing like sometimes it's literally just whatever you guys think, you know? Uh, and then sometimes it's, you know, they'll, me and the artist will sit down with the set list. Hey, this color, this song, blue, uh, cloudy vibes right, or right. something, you know, this song, that color. So it all just depends on the artist. That's kind of one fun thing that's, you know, it's, it's kind of fun. Every artist works differently. Every team works differently, but uh, eventually you learn how that team works, how that artist works. And uh, you go from there, and sometimes you can give them a little bit of advice, like, "Hey, on this on this camp, we do it like this," and they're like, "Oh, that's tight. Let's do it like that." Right, you know right, right. I mean? True, so true. You kind of you pick and choose, and that's dope. Yeah, um, my homie Brazil, he says, "What's uh, what is your business model internally? As in, do you have full time employees, or do you crew up per project? Also, who or what do you who or what do you see as the next major um, disruptors of the stage touring industry?" Um. So for the first part of the question, it, it was, do you crew? Yeah, like how, what's your business model? Do you crew up per project or do yeah. you have like full-time employees? So yeah, usually per, pro, per project mostly because you'll, you'll have, uh, you know, for a gig that needs two, it needs a video guy and a lighting guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll have, I'll reach out to the head of our lighting department, um, say, hey, you know, we need this, we need someone for this project. Who do you think would be good? We'll talk about it, or maybe I already have someone in mind. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll ask, you know, the person if they're available and, you know, get the rates, get the rates all worked out and, and go from there and then stick them on the project. Uh, make sure that the manager and that person on the tour are, you know, in, in connection and yeah. talking and they're vibing and everything. So, um, Usually we'll run we'll run it that way on a project to project basis because it's just it gets really tricky if um uh you you know we have pay a full time employee have them sit around yeah just there's wait. seasons of the music industry you know January December are usually quiet then you have you know spring it booms and then you have fall it booms summer can be hit or miss so you don't want to have you don't want to pay someone a retainer. And have them just sit around, right. you know, waiting for work or even not pay them and just have them sit around. So, yeah. you know, we'll usually pull people in on a project to project. And the more clients we get, the more busy everyone is. So everyone, you know, is pretty happy. Yeah, that's dope. Um, this is a great question that Jace asked. He said, what are uh, the moments that make these sort of fast-paced, high-pressure situations worth it? Is that me or you? I think it's you. So I put my shit on silent. Oh, it is me. He's oh. getting a phone call, everybody. <laughs> okay. You can answer it. Is it important? Let's hear it. No, no. <laughs> we'll wait. Put it on speaker. Um, uh, what was it? Say? What was the question? He said, "What are the moments that make this sort of uh, like high pace, fast energy shit worth this? Like, 
what makes it worth it? All of the, all for sure. Of the, everything. It's, it's kind of goes back to what we were talking about. Just creating, you know, just seeing everything, seeing a, a manager and an artist happy, like an artist reaching out to you personally and saying, Hey man, like you really made my show dope. Like, thanks for all your help. I can't wait to do more stuff with you. And, and, uh, Seeing just fans just love a show and post pictures of it and be like, this is awesome. Right. It sounded great or it looked great or whatever. Or, you know, tour management side, it's like, man, everything was so smooth. Everyone was cool. Just getting good feedback from artists is great. And it just makes it all worth it in the end because we're just trying to create and, and work with good people and just create awesome just projects. Right, right, right. So are you going to be you know, on the road anytime soon, or are you going to try to stay here for a little bit? Uh, this year I'm going to be in LA a lot more because, and I'm going to be bouncing to a lot of rehearsals. Like I literally have to go to a rehearsal for, uh, Quinn 92 and, uh, someone's doing a little tour. They're both rehearsing in the same facility in Nashville, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, nice. So, um, so you're flying out there, be there, be in Nashville all weekend and then go to the first show for Quinn, make sure it's good. Pop back over here and then, you know, work on something else. Sick. Yeah. All right. Damn. This is a good one. Thanks, man. I like it. I mean, uh, you, hopefully, just, yeah. no, you crack a nut for a lot of shit that people, we don't have access to a lot of stuff. You don't hear about the behind the scenes of it. And I think that shit's so important when you're trying to figure no, it, it out. No, it is. It is important. And, you know, there's always going to be stuff that goes wrong. And people are like, oh, man, I'm, you know, a huge fuck up. Something's going wrong. But stuff always goes wrong. It's about prevailing through it, problem solutions, you know, and, and making your client happy. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. So what do you, what do your parents think now of your wasted potential? Oh, they love it now. You yeah. know, they get to come out, fly them to a show, yeah. come see it. I'll let my dad, I'll set up a couple buttons and let my dad hit some lights really? during a show. That's it's, pretty dope. it's really fun Damn, yeah, for the openers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. fucking sick though. That's dope as fuck. Um, it's pretty cool. How can they follow you and wasted potential? Where do you want? Where yeah. Do you want so, um, Instagram, trying to grab that Wasted Potential handle, but some random like dog account has it or something. God damn it. Um, but right now it's just We Are Wasted Potential on IG. Uh, Twitter is just Wasted Potential. But um, yeah, just, just trying to you know build a brand. Yeah, WastedPotential.com too? Uh, WastedPotential.net. Uh, .net. And then what's your, what's your personal shit? I mean, I'll put all this in the show notes. Yeah, fuck it. yeah mine, mine is CFELS, just C-F-E-L-L-Z. I uh, usually post pictures of... Just all sorts of stuff we're doing on there too. Yeah. So his behind the scenes look is really sick. So you guys should check him out. And then uh, if anyone made it this far, because we're right at one one twenty. Nice. Oh, nice. That's nice. the goal. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> the goal right there. Uh, if I always do this, so like if people that are listening, watching this, or whatever, if they made it this far, um, and you could have them like tweet at us a hashtag. What do you want the hashtag to be? Just to uh, tell, just so we know that they made it this far. Yeah, hashtag wasted potential, man. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> All right, dope. All right, cool. I appreciate having you on the shit. And uh, yeah, man. For sure. Dope. Travel safe and all that. Heck yeah, man. I right, appreciate it, dog. Thank you. Yep. Bye, 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 bye. That's it for episode 19 with Chad Fellers. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Make sure to follow Chad on Instagram and get a behind-the-scenes look of life on the road. I've shared links to his information in the show notes so you can uh, find all that shit at blackwindowcream.com slash podcast. Leave a review on iTunes and let me know what you loved about this interview. If you're interested in joining Black Window Cream's private group for creators, visit bwnc.com slash join. And last but not least, buy some fucking ill ass black window cream merch because that shit helps me keep this thing alive all right i appreciate you subscribe to black window cream new episode every single sunday see you next week you bitch